What's going on, everybody? Peter Touring here. Chris Van Bell also. For the Homes Real Estate Podcast, we've got James Lutz from Capital Mortgage Funding with us. We're doing a bit of an Ask the Experts today about mortgages. Thanks for being with us, James. No problem. Good morning, guys. All right. So what we wanted to talk a little bit about is, uh, number one, we work a lot with first-time home buyers. Uh, and so what are some of the, the issues that you're seeing with first-time home buyers, either qualifying for mortgages or within the transaction? Right now, <clears throat> general lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm is my biggest thing with first-time home buyers because they do what everyone would normally do. I can't fault them for it. You see commercials, you see things online that are very misleading and being informed and having the right knowledge going into it and even way ahead of time. So I always encourage people, if you're thinking of buying a house next year, let's talk now. We do. You might need that much time because getting a mortgage is not like going and buying a car or any other type of loan. You figure if you give them a year out, that's enough time to prep them, start answering questions, maybe take them to a couple preliminary homes just so they know what they're looking for when we're out looking too. And then we've both established a relationship and we can get this thing really going well. We do this with our buyer's consultation. I think from our end, one of the first things that buyers do wrong is they come see us first. And really they should be coming to see you guys first, getting that pre-qualification or at least talking about it. Uh, And what are some of the issues as far as with with qualifying first-time buyers or younger buyers? I know we've got student loans, we've got kids that are just coming out of college. What are some of those things that you're seeing? Things that they need to know and prepare for are mainly your credit, your history, and what you have you know, in, in a total of your credit, because they want normally at least to see two or three trade lines for a minimum of 12 months where you've established credit. You know, Because a lot of people are afraid to get credit cards, their parents told them they're bad, I see it a lot, and I'm like, well, you, you make good money, you have a great job, you have money in the bank, but you have zero credit history. Right. You know, and that they that's always been good for their life. They haven't been in debt, but you know, you're looking at getting a mortgage and you, I have to say no because you have zero credit history. Is that something that, that can be established in a short like how long of a of period of time would that need you know somebody need to establish? FHA, for credit? example, typically wants three trade lines for twelve months. Okay. So that could be a car, a student loan, a credit card, three credit cards, two cars and a credit card. Whatever type of trade line you want, they need to see at least you know, two don't, or three. Don't things like uh, cell phone bills or energy bills count or not nope. so much? No, nope, because they actually won't show up on your credit report as a normal monthly debt. Unless you, fail, about, unless you fail to pay them, they'll show up as a collection later. Right. right. What about what about rent payments? Rent typically is not on your credit report, okay. but it is starting to make its way in. For example, I have one gentleman that can go back and add two years of rent onto someone's credit report. And this is huge, significant. I mean, I've seen people's points jump 100 points just because they have a two-year rent history that got added on. It is a big thing. So if you're thinking about so if you, yeah. so if you're in a situation like this, you come in and talk to you, um, what would be the, what do you think is the easiest way to, to establish some of these lines of credit? Really? I mean, go get a go get a credit card. Really, that's the best one. Not a specific department store card either. Those are good, but when you're being judged on your credit, it it looks better to have a just a Visa, Mastercard, American Express, just a general card that right. you can use anywhere rather than just one store. Okay. Uh, and then what about student loans? I know that a lot of the people that we talk to are they've come out of out of college, they've got student loans, they're making good money, but they've got that big you know looming. Uh, 30 year or 15 year student loan payment. How do you, how do we work that? How does that affect their mortgage? See it a lot. Um, and it is a hot button for mortgages. Um, I would say for student loans, you can't get away from it. If you can't get away from it, I get it. I understand. But how you get a mortgage still with that is depending on, you know, which program you're going to go to. There are times where best case, if it's deferred, we don't, we don't have to actually count it as a debt. Worst case, we have to take 1% of your student loan debt. If it's, 
not being reported. If you have a reported payment on your credit report, we're typically going to be using that. If it is a fully amortized payment, now again, it's important to get a fully amortized payment. So when we say one, explain the 1% for those of us who are, as far as taking 1% of the full amount of student loans. Yep. So let's say, for easy sake, you have a $100,000 student loan. That is $1,000 of debt per month I have to pay. Gotcha. Even if you're not making a payment, but if it's reporting a payment, that's the payment that your lender is going to be using. Now, when you say it has to count, now that's going to count toward your debt to income? Your debt to income ratio, which is your average monthly income versus your monthly debt that's on your credit report. That's something a lot of people really don't understand. What's this debt to income all about? Why are they using it? How do they get it? And what's on your debt to income ratio? Debt to income ratios are going to be things like credit cards, auto loans, student loans, any other mortgages, bank loans. It's not going to be your cell phone. It's not going to be any of your car insurances or personal insurances. Again, just your main credit bills that, you know, credit cards, cars, student loans. Because this is a question that I've had quite a few times. What about your revolving credit? So if you've got, like, I have a credit card. I pay it off every month. You know, are some of those things counted into your debt to income ratio? Absolutely. Your revolving debt, that's going to be your standard credit cards that you can go up and down with your debt. Best thing on those for people trying to build credit is not to pay it off every month. And you also have to think about what day of the month that your creditor reports to the bureaus. So, for example, what I mean by that is let's say you have a dollar limit and you go rack it up to $1,000 and they, that, you know, city card, chase card, they report to the three bureaus on the 15th of every month. Right. Whatever your balance is on the 15th of the month is what your credit report balance is going to show. So it's important to not... So maybe pay off on a different day there. Right. Keep a small balance. If you want to build credit, you have to have a small balance. Okay. That was weird to me that you have to keep like 20, 25, 30 bucks as a balance on there. Like pretty much all the time. It is weird. It's just, yeah, it's showing these companies that you are responsible with it. Right. Paying it to a zero just keeps you... If you have great credit, great pay off every month already. If you're trying to build it, you want to keep a small balance on there every month. It makes a lot of sense. So what is the, like, what's your minimum, especially here for first-time buyers, what's, like, uh, their minimum that they need as far as, let's take our average sale price here in Macomb County for $168,000. Let's use that $150,000 window as, as a guide here for a first-time buyer. I think that's an appropriate uh, first-time. Obviously, some people are going to be higher and lower. But for, you know, mortgage like that, what are we talking about as far as, um, <clears throat> I mean, we don't have to have specifics for income, but what about for credit scores? What about for... Uh, you know, uh, what percentage of that DTI do they need to have uh, available? DTI, like your, your cap, you know, is going to be for FHA, you can sometimes get over 50% on your debt to income ratio. Uh, we'd love to see 49 or lower for FHA and okay. for conventional, still 45% or lower. Not to say that you can't squeak by on, you know, scenarios where it's a little bit higher, but you know, the lower the better. Yeah. So if we're looking just, and this, these are just, I'm just ballparking numbers here. Yeah. I always assume that on an FHA mortgage with $150,000, you're running right around a thousand bucks a month, uh, somewhere in there for, for the payment. payment. And I'm glad you, you asked that because it, it's right around there, but I always tell everybody and I stress it, it really depends on the property of course. itself because if you guys know right. taxes and insurance and things different, like that. Right. You know, and right. I've seen it where someone's approved for a $150,000 house over in this part of town, but their approval goes down to about 80 over on this side because the taxes are double. $6,000 right. a month. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, insane. So, so the, one of the things I bring this up is, so if you've got student loans, you know, if you're, if you're fine on credit, you know, just again, we're using this example here. 
say you've got you know uh, 500 bucks student loan payment you've got maybe a couple hundred bucks and something else you know maybe you've got 1800 uh, you know total with this mortgage payment you need to make what 3600 a month right yeah easy way to tell people at home to do it is this find out what your average monthly income is don't embellish it if you're paid hourly take your hourly rate times 40 hours times 52 weeks divided by 12 months that's typically how we're going to come up with it okay from there multiply your average monthly income times you can start at 45 percent to stay safe and then you get that number from that number minus out your monthly debts that are on your credit report your cars credit card and just your minimum payments what you're left with is your approval that that's your monthly payment okay. that you are approved up to and what about people that like i've got a buddy of mine who works a ton of overtime uh what about people like that or people of non-traditional income commission-based salespeople, people who are uh, servers who work off tips oh, hairdressers things like that. Good. You you different animals, eh? it is because i came from a serving and bartending background so it, it's it's not easy to get approved being a server or bartender mainly and it's same with self-employed and commission you need a two-year for bonuses two-year proof to your history and likely continuance in order for us to be able to count that and with servers and bartenders, I see it all the time, and I did it myself back then, is because they're not claiming 100% of what they make. No. Yeah, I know. Stop it. it. Taxes, just like self-employed people. I absolutely kills me to tell them no, but their taxes say that they only made 20, 30 grand a year. We all know they made more, but on their taxes, I can only use what's on right. their taxes. And and it, it is darn government getting wrong. It, it is doable. I mean, you've you've approved clients of mine that were that have been servers and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> The, the, what about people who work a lot of overtime? We've got a lot of big three employees. You know, we've got, I mean, I have people that maybe their base salary is 60000 with overtime. They're making yeah. 80, 85, $90,000. the uh, machine shops and uh, everybody's working. A lot of people are back to working overtime. Right. Now. The economy is better. People are going to, the company's going to afford to pay their employees that. And it, again, it's a two-year history. Okay. Typically a two-year history and your employer has to, when we send out a verification of employment, they have to let us know that it is likely to continue. So it's not like you were just hot for two years and then they have a big drop off and you're not going to get it. We have to know that you're going to most likely be able that's to continue That's a big thing that, that the lenders have to see is the likely continuance. Right. Also, I mean, that's fine. You have the two year history, but like, like James is saying, in overtime, very fortunate. They, they will. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, the other thing, so do you have any, any, any loan products that you particularly like for first time buyers? You know, FHA Mishta is the, there's two ends. There's, I've had first time home buyers that are able to go conventional. That's the best, one of the best, strongest products there is, period, whether you're first time home, home buyer or not. If you can qualify for that and you have the money in the bank, let's go there. If not, the other one is FHA with Mishta Down Payment Funds. That is a Michigan state program where they will grant anyone, you know, that's a first time home buyer that meets their guidelines as well as the normal FHA guidelines, they will give them up to $7,500 to offset their down payment closing costs. Uh, taxes, insurance, everything that's due at closing. Now for that program, the buyers have to come up with 1% of the sales price on a $100,000 home. The buyer has to put in $1,000 of their own money, minimal. And that can be gifted, right? You know, the, well, yeah, their 1% can be gifted. Okay, the, so rest of got, the, the rest yeah. of the cost involved could be covered by sellers or something else, but as long as they have a skin in the game, then they're good. Now, for my last question on this is for somebody that is looking to uh, maybe they're looking to purchase right away. They don't have that credit history. Are there any other options for them as far as can they get a cosigner? Can you have anything else that they might be able to look into to to you know make this work? There are other avenues. I don't ever promise somebody that oh yeah just because you don't qualify for this there, there there's always something else. It's very especially if you don't have the credit history and you don't and you have to go to a non-traditional loan. 
it's really a whole scenario. we build and that's why we take the time to talk with the clients, get their entire documents together. that way when we look it over, we know what truly is available to them, whether it's with me or not. cause some of those funny products, one year out of bankruptcy, like you guys were mentioning earlier, or you know two years out of a foreclosure where typically lenders can't you know back that. a certain little banks will do portfolio loans and you just gotta really, you gotta be careful and you know do your homework first before you make any promises to buyers. right, of course. and then like we mentioned, you can have a a cosigner, right? and and that and that can they'll look at, as i understand it, they'll look at the credit history of the cosigner along with yours. Um, so if you are a first time buyer, you're thinking about it, especially if you're renting right now and your lease is coming up, uh, guys, it's, it's, I know that people are worried about that. This is such a hot market and you know, I can't find anything I'm looking for. The inventory is going up. I just pulled the numbers this morning. The inventory is going up. The average sale price, it's at where it looks like we're, we're increasing, but not as much as we were in June, July, August, oh, yeah. but the rates, what are our, what's our national average this week? Yeah, I, I saw I your would, rate. I would week, still say earlier. safely again, cause you don't want to talk too much about rates. I was right. like, they're doing very good. I'll, I'll ballpark them in the four range. Okay. You know, so I know James we'll got some some uh, legal things that you know we can't go into discussing you know rates specifically. Right. Um, but you know the the national averages look really good right now. So even though we're at, at, at kind of the peak of the market, you still are at a great place. It's a weird time in real estate because it's a great time to buy or to sell. Think about it. If you're at four percent, that's still that's still almost free, it's free money. money, man. Yeah. You know, oh, we're, yeah. we're not talking eight. We're not talking twelve. We're not talking anything obnoxious. Right. So it's amazing. Yeah. So if you're thinking about it, like I said, if you're renting right now, or you're thinking about buying, even if you're thinking about, I had a client who's moving out out of out of his folks' house first time. Give us a call, even if you're not thinking about moving right now, even if it's a year in advance. Uh, James's number is going to be on right on the podcast description. Chris and I's number is right there. Give us a call, text message anytime. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, James, thanks so much for being with thanks, us. Buddy. Absolutely. Man. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys.